You should be the host here. I'm really laughing at you. We're both monster people, diehard monster people, and we want them to do well. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Nobody knows monster rugby better. I'd like to think I know a lot. Welcome along to episode nine of The Red 78, your go-to podcast for everything monster rugby. I'm Alan Quinlan, and alongside me, as always, is Neil Briggs. For everything monster rugby, this is the place to be, and we want you to be involved let us know what your thoughts are and what the latest monster with the latest monster rugby happenings by tweeting us at rugby channel 15 or by leaving a comment wherever you're watching this across the rugby channel's social media pages and of course subscribe to the to subscribe to the podcast just search for the red 78 and you get the podcast straight to your phone every week there was a lot of uncertainty and there still is some uncertainty last week um, things are marginally a little bit clearer and we're finally going back uh, to, to to preview a match. To do that, we brought in someone very, very familiar uh, with this Wasps and Munster matchup. Uh, Munster legend, a former teammate, Rob Henderson. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Rob, and thanks for joining us. Thanks, Quinny. Thanks, Dave. Great to be here. Great to have you. It's a, a bit of a strange one, as we were saying, Rob, with everything that's happened uh, with teams in the teams in South Africa, Scarlet's monster card of zebra, um, the whole uncertainty. This is a uh, European week and something that we always loved as, as players with monster. We had a real uh, close bond with the European cup. It excited us. It was a totally different week, wasn't it? Um, your time at monster, my time. I just remember the excitement bouncing into training on a Monday morning. And it was kind of special European rugby to Monster. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, this match has thrown up some uh, some, some brilliant games in the past. And, uh, and obviously, for, for various reasons, it's got to be difficult for both sides. But I mean, actually, when I was at London Irish, even prior to Wasps and Munster, uh, the one result that made me weak at the knees laughing was uh, when Munster came, when Wasps came down to Toman Park. And it was a miserable, drizzly day in 96, I think it was. And the ball just kept getting hoofed up on Gareth Reese and Johnny Ufton. And of course, we, we don't hear anything until the result comes in and Munster Hockey Wasps, which was fantastic for when I was uh, when I was at London Irish. So that was my first introduction to this particular game and really into that into that European rugby. You joined Wasps on a week later, uh, the year after, didn't you? Well, in the January. So it was funny. I was, I was bottom of the league in uh, in December and we won the league in, in June. So... I went from the bottom to the top, got a nosebleed and a winner's medal, a couple of tries along the way, a couple of pork pies. And, you, uh, you, you made all the difference. Um, you talk about those games and you mention them. Um, there's not many between Monster and Wasps. I, su- I was surprised. Um, hmm. Some teams we played against, like the cast, the cast match the week after, we've always played cast, haven't we? Wasps, there hasn't been that many, but there is one that unfortunately, from Monster's point of view, they lost that stands out as... Some some people say it was one of the greatest games of all times. Um, mm. Lawrence Delalio in his book, uh, one of the greatest games he's ever been involved in. And that's coming from someone who's involved in so many big international games, British and Irish lines. Sean Edwards said after the game, best game he's ever seen. Now, mm. it was easy for the Wasps uh, players and management to probably say that after in 2004, uh, Heineken Cup semi-final, as it was called at the time. Was win 37-32. You played in that game. Just bring us back and take us back to the memories of that. Obviously, I I I, I didn't play. I was injured. David Wallace was injured as well. Um, Rog went off in the first half with a hamstring injury. 
Mm -hmm. We were heartbroken after that because, again, we were quite close to, you know, getting our hands on the the Holy Grail. You played in that. Just take us back to the memories of that game. Do you think it was one of the greatest games you were ever involved in? Well, many, many newspapers have called it the greatest club game ever. And and, and actually, the way, the way the league changed hands multiple times, obviously, they were they were English champions. They were coming to Toneman Park, uh, not Toneman Park, into uh, into Lansdowne Road. Forty nine and a half thousand supporters there, and probably two hundred of them were Wasp fans. So they're up against it. I remember um, in the weeks leading up to that game, because obviously I was a, a bit of chat with the other lads as well. Um, Trevor Ota, the hooker, who, who by the way did drop the ball over the line in the seventh minute, so it wasn't a try. Though cheating, <laughs> I watched <laughs> it this morning, and how it was given as a try is beyond me. Ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous, and uh, and I tell him every time I speak to him that he's a, a cheating fecker. But anyway, he um, so about two weeks previously, his wife had left him, um, and and basically that was Lawrence Delalio's team talk. I, I've been in the change room five years with, with the lags, and then he'd, he'd get everyone really wound up and all the rest of it, and there'd be passion and sweat and spit and snot and tears and all the rest of it, and uh, and he just turned around and he's and he's got them so wound up. He said, Trevor, your wife may have left you. We're your family now. You lean on us. <laughs> so you've got 22 lads in the change room, all in tears, and Trevor bounced off the wall. I think he gave away the first six penalties. <laughs> um, but no, going into the game, obviously, we're, we're, we're playing at Lansdowne Road, and we think that uh, we had a good team, and we were playing well as well. And, and obviously, we had... Uh, um, Great chance of, of getting to a getting to another final, and, uh, and unfortunately that that didn't translate. I mean, Rog going off in thirty three minutes. Um, I, th- I think bringing on the speed merchant Dutchy Dutchy Holland <laughs> just just for the gas, uh, but he played brilliantly, and it, and it was one of the things actually talking to Delalio afterwards. He said it, it completely ruined our game plan because we were just trying to keep Rog on the field. So when when, when he went off and, and Dutchy came on. Um, it changed the game. Lead changed hands. We're ten points up with fifteen minutes to go. Um, actually, in fairness, we might have had a bit of fortune with uh, with one of the tries. If you look at it again, there's a might have been a knock forward, but I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> um, and then, unfortunately, the the worst part of that game, Quinny, I think uh, I think Donica got yellow carded, and then with about six minutes to go, I got yellow carded, um, which was completely wrong. I mean, I've never been yellow carded in my life. So these people just weren't obviously watching the rules or the laws or whatever it is with the game. Um, and then, as we've already said, Trevor going over in the corner and, and, and winning the match for them uh, in, a, in a horrific act of cheating. Um, it's happened to us previously in the Heineken Cup with Neil back. So we've had a seven do it to us. We've had a two do it to us. Um, and, and it was going to be 24 months of bitterness before we actually lifted the trophy against Beeritz. Unbelievable. Story. I think when I watched back this morning because uh, Cunny had teed me up, and um, like that Wasps team were absolutely stacked. When you think about it, and how many of them had won the World Cup the previous year? Um, you know, we we know obviously Lawrence Alalio was their big talisman, but when you look at like Simon Shaw was playing, Joe Worldsy was playing, uh, Josh Lucy was playing, like they they had threats all over the pitch. Well, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Nate. There was uh, not just threats all over the pitch, but. Uh... Um, there was a there was a match we played previously, and uh, we might come on to it later against uh, against Stade Francais away. You might have been playing this one, Quinny, and they always come out with a calendar. So they've got a calendar of all the lads buff <laughs> and ripped and and oiled and muscular and all this. Carry on. And do you remember Clark in the team, <laughs> lads? In fairness, sexy lads, sexy lads. <laughs> 
Clontarf were in really good shape. But we had that a lot in France, didn't we? I remember in, in Bordeaux in 2000 when we, we rocked up uh, for the team run on, on the day before the game on the Friday, the semi, famous semi-final win over Toulouse. And uh, we turned up in the baggy the baggy tracksuits and baggy T-shirts and stuff. And, and the Toulouse guys were just after finishing and they just kind of strolled off the field and they looked like chiseled. They looked like monsters, tight gear. We were all wearing the baggy oversized T-shirts that... Um, you know, Dickie had given us a, a new T-shirt for the semi-final as well. He used to kind of drip feed the gear to us if we won matches. And uh, we got these new O'Neill's T-shirts and they were hanging off us. No sizes. And we looked like an amateur team. And these guys strolled off. They were massive. And then obviously, well, uh, that was, it didn't that make was a difference the because the performance the next day was brilliant. But in fairness, you talk about Stade Francais, they were in good shape in fairness. Exactly. <laughs> But that, that was the point. I was that was the point I was going to say to you, Neve. That when uh, I mean they're, they're stacked with World Cup winners. I mean I played with ten of that squad anyway. But we're standing out on the field in the in the heavy jerseys, where if you if you if you sweat a bit, you're putting an extra five kilos on. And uh, and these lads come out wearing skin tight gear, which looks like a tattoo, and you're thinking, oh Jesus, this could be a tough day at the office. Class, class. Just on the on, on the Sean Edwards piece, um, he's someone who kind of. I, I, I've loved Sean Edwards over the years because I just love his passion and his energy. And um, for him saying that was that was the best game he's ever seen. And um, I thought that was incredible. Um, obviously, Munster were really disappointed. But you played with a lot of these Wasps players, Hendo, and, and the game changes every couple of years with different things around the breakdown or, or, or you know, defensive setups and all that kind of thing. They were the first ones to really adopt this kind of blitz defence, which was kind of from the wingers up. They come in in this kind of umbrella kind of angle with unbelievable pace. You had to, you had to deal with that that day. Um, what was that like? Was it something that um, obviously we watched and done some analysis on it, but it must have been very difficult as a centre for you and Mikey Mullins um, to do anything you wanted to do because... Your, your biggest strength, obviously, was, you know, getting the ball in your hands and running hard. You had evasion. You could go past people. But they cut all our space down that day, didn't they? Well, they, they didn't. I think if you if you look at the try scorers on the day, both forwards for ourselves, there was, there was limited space in the middle of the park. It was a roasting hot day as well. It was a beautiful day. Um, but when you've got Paul Volley flying off the back of the line, no more than yourself, Quinny, when you've got your back road, cutting down that space and then just everyone flying out the line with the hair on fire. And we weren't really used to that. Uh, I mean, we adapted and and, and Roger and, and Dutchie played fantastically well with the kicking game and territory because, let's face it, back in uh, back in 03, 04, the power of Munster, we had a great squad, don't get me wrong, with forwards and backs. I mean, Christian Cullen played that day, an unbelievable all-back. But the strength of the of, of, of Munster rugby has always been, and, and there's no denying it, the, the, the big boys up front and, uh, and, and putting you guys into position and, and, and watching how... The, the Munster pack took on the Wasps pack was uh, was impressive. And there was lots of standout performances in there. I mean, Stephen Keogh, I thought, was at, was brilliant that day. Um, and, and you've played with and against him, Quinny, so you, you know his... Uh, <laughs> you his have talented. to say, you have to say, though, and, and 
Stephen won't mind this, that Wally and myself were big last that, that day. Yeah. <laughs> you, you just, I, were you getting to that, Hendo? It was coming. It was okay, coming. great stuff. Carry on. <laughs> you, you, never, you, never, you never give away the script line at the start, do you? <laughs> it's a spoiler alert. Yeah, you know, was, just, just in relation to the, the monstrous DNA has always been about the power, the, the forward pack, the mall, the set piece. When you played, you've obviously played for Munster, played for Wasps. It's, is there a difference in the culture in that environment in what their DNA is like that that's continued on? Like I feel like wasps probably maybe have lost themselves a little bit with all the moves between the venues and everything like that. But if if you had to say that one thing was in their DNA, like what would it be com- coming up to this weekend? I mean, they're super professional. They really yeah. are. And and um, and when I moved from London Irish, uh, I remember going to a, a training camp and all the boys are up in this atrium doing their weights and and I've got to do a bleep test down below and I think I got to six two um before any, and I was I was gonna organise an open top bus around Thames Ditton where I was living at the time because it was a PP and they're all looking down so you've got Delalio and all the all the boys, Will Green, Alex King going, who on earth have we bought here? Look at the state of that yoke. Right. So um but they're they're very, very professional and they don't they, I don't think the moves has helped them. Yeah. Um obviously they've moved from from Sudbury to Jesus, Loftus Road to Wickham and now Coventry, and they've kind of got a base up there. But, um, but, but even with eighteen injuries or whatever they've got, I mean, it's it's interesting. It's, it'd be interesting to see how the two squads compare and compete and contrast this weekend when they're fully. I mean, they haven't won since October. Yeah, Do you know. I mean, so it's not as if it's not as if this Wasp team are the powerhouse of old. I mean, I think they've won three and they've lost six in the league this year. And the last two, I think, were to Gloucester and Worcester, who they would normally turn over. Yeah, I watched the Worcester game the weekend. And on the ball, they look, like Quinny will talk about it later on, but on the ball, they look exceptionally quick, powerful. Like, that was it. But they definitely leak a lot of tries and hopefully Munster mm-hmm. can, can make hay in that weekend. Absolutely. Would you, would you still have um, a close connection with the club, Rob? I look at your... Your your pin tweet on Twitter is is says playing for Munster is different. It reminds me of my early days in the game before we started getting paid. The reason you were playing rugby was for each other and for the club and for the people who came and supported you. And that's exactly the same ethos that Munster have now. So I know that you have this great affinity with Munster and you're one of us, uh, essentially. Um, what what kind of feelings you have for Wasp? Do you still have is, are they part of that club still in your blood and your in your body and your soul as well? Because you played with them for well, a long period. Well, the, the the simple thing is, I played for London Irish for five years. I played for Wasp for five years. I played for Munster for five years. And since I retired, I haven't been to a London Irish game. I haven't been to a Wasps game, and I've been to about twenty Munster matches. Does that answer your question? Yeah, but I I I know where you stand as regards Munster. I'm not questioning that. But like, what's you know the connection with Wasps, even if London Irish were playing Munster, do you feel do you feel a connection with those clubs because you played with them? Honestly, no, no. I mean, they're, they're great clubs, they're great clubs. Wasps are a fantastic club. London Irish are a fantastic club, and the thing that made them fantastic clubs, um, similarly to Munster, and obviously I, I went down to France uh, for the love of the game. Yeah, uh, <laughs> at the end of the, <laughs> um, the one thing that all all four clubs, including Toulon, had was great support. Great support. And to me, that's what a club is about. A club is about not just the, the product that you're putting on the field, but it's the people that, that, that follow you and, and, the, and the people that follow you in the good times and the bad. And, uh, and obviously, of all of those teams, Munster has to have the best support in Europe. 
um, if, if not any club side in the world. And, uh, and, it, and it was a pleasure and an honour and a privilege to play for Munster for so long. And go, going back to to um, to that game, maybe touching on it, Warren Gatlin is the coach. So mm. you were quite close with Gatty with Ireland as well. And he's he's uh, a, sh- a, sh- a short time before that um, got got let go by Ireland. He wasn't happy, wasn't pleased with the way it happened. Mm. Um, and then he gets the wasp job and... You you had something to do with that, so maybe it's your fault that Wasp beat beat Monster in well, that game because you put Gatty in charge. Tell us about that story. So obviously uh, Gatty was in charge. He uh, he took the reins in I think ninety eight uh, with Ireland. Taking into account he was thirty four when he took the reins, and I think there was a couple of players older than him. And he's head coach, but anyway he um, he started the ball rolling, and for whatever reason parted ways with the RFU. And uh, and I stayed friendly with Gatti, and and, I, and he came down. And he was in Limerick in my local pub, Charcos. Uh, Hiya, Rob. I hope you're well, and I hope you're watching this. Um, and, and basically, we were sitting down having a couple of pints, asking what he's going to do next. He says, "I'll take my time." And I knew that Nigel Melville was leaving Wasp to go to Gloucester. So I said, "Would you have any interest in the Premiership?" Uh, at which point he said, "Yeah, I probably would actually." So I rang Melly. I said, Melly, I'm sitting here with Gatti having a pint. Do you want a word with him? And basically, the two of them figured it out and uh, and, and Warren went over and, and then the rest is history, as they say. And he did a brilliant job there, in fairness. They he loved did. him and uh, he built a good a management team around him and, uh, and had brilliant, brilliant success. They won the Premiership, they won European Cups. They were knocking on the door for years and he was... It probably led to uh, elevated his status in the game, didn't it? That success with Wasp. But some of those players, as you say, um, Lawrence Delalio, Howley, you know, Lucy, Simon Shaw, they're brilliant players. He had a good crop of players, but he got them fit as well. He brought Craig White with him, who worked with Ireland, yeah. and did a brilliant job. And they loved him in Wasp, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did really well. I mean, you asked me earlier on about the uh, where the ties are. Actually, Wasps ten years later, when they were having their uh, their ten year anniversary of winning the Heineken Cup, as it was, they invited me along, um, and this just shows the type of <laughs> the type of langers they are. They gave me a posthumous medal for being yellow carded because uh, <laughs> trim of the overlap in the corner. So I didn't stay long, but uh, but no, he built a good uh, good coaching, good players, good ethos, good support. That's what makes a club so. Where were you, Neve, when that match happened in all four? Were you at it or did you watch it? Or no, you... I was I was very young when he... <laughs> I, I, I absolutely know that, yeah. I know uh, that. No, I watched it. I watched it with my dad, definitely, yeah. We would have been... Um, I actually, Yeah, no, we definitely watched it at home. It's unusual because my dad would have usually been at them, to be fair. But um, Ruby, yeah. Ruby wasn't hugely on my radar by 2004. So, um, but, you know, the way... <clears throat> so... Y- you're probably infamous in relation to how much you enjoyed yourself both on and off the pitch, if that makes any sense, Rob, in terms of your Kinda. ability to, be able to, to to live the best of your life in terms of being a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. Do you think you'd enjoy playing today in terms of how strict and stringent everything seems to be in relation to probably training, social media, all that kind of stuff? No chance. Yeah. No chance. I mean, really? social media. Social media wouldn't bother me. I'm not on. I'm not on Facebook or any of that. Carry on. Uh, and the, I think the only reason I've got a Twitter account is because I had to set it up for a um, 
a corporate gig about 10 years ago. And as you can see, I don't really use it. I I use it every now and again, in fairness. But uh, no, I mean, these guys now, they're so much under the microscope and, uh, and, and I'm, I'm not sure that leaving the Glen of the Downs at uh, 6.30, uh, getting a taxi into into coppers and then climbing back through the upstairs windows at <laughs> three o'clock in the morning when you've got national duty. I don't think you get away with that now. So, <laughs> so these boys are, these boys are, um, they're under fierce pressure. And girls uh, are under fierce pressure. And it's, it's such under the spotlight at the moment um, that, that rugby players in general have got, to, have got to mind what they do, what they say, what they eat. Um, so maybe a little bit of the, uh, of the of the old school has got out of the game, but that doesn't make it a worse product nowadays. Um, I just think that all these everyone nowadays is a cookie cutter player, so everyone's six foot three, everyone's sixteen stone, everyone does the hundred and eleven five, and 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 I think that we've we've lost a little, we've lost away a little bit. Yeah. It used to be a game for everybody, um, and now unfortunately players are getting selected on uh, physical attributes as opposed to rugby attributes. So. Um, so I'd, I'd be goosed in both ways because I couldn't pass the ball. Um, I had the best you could, you could run though. You could run if we got yeah. you fit. You were brilliant. Oh Jesus! Downhill with the wind. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you, uh, Rob, if you look at the, 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 you talk about the pressure on, on on professional athletes nowadays and the scrutiny. It's massive, and sometimes we get accused because we I, I work in the media for you know our legacy. The, mm. the, the teams that won European Cups that got the semi-finals and finals and I genuinely believe it's unfair that the, the, the current group continuously for a number of years get compared with that it's, it's, it's different um, different players we, we had a unique, a unique group of players there was less, less pressure back in the day um, on us to win and we were building something all the time and eventually we got there do you think that that pressure is a little bit unfair on the current players at times because to win European Cups has become, even though we felt it, it was incredibly hard, I think there's so many teams now trying to win it and getting better and you just got to keep improving all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot of pressure on these guys continuously. Sometimes it's fair, the criticism, and sometimes a little bit unfair. What's your take on it? Well, it depends who's commentated on the game. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, well, expand on that comment. <laughs> no, I mean these 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 boys and girls nowadays—they're under so much pressure. They are, but let's face it, they're getting paid properly as well. And and as the game has evolved in 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 the commercial aspect, um, you, you are going to be under pressure. People are getting paid a lot of money, um, and you're meant to be able to do the basics correctly. Now, it's—I think everyone's been given a pass for the last eighteen months due to restrictions and travel and support, COVID, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There you go. I promised myself I wasn't going to use that c word, but I just did. Um, so it's been—it's di- been difficult. But in general, um, these guys and girls have got nothing left to chance. They've got the opportunity to train. They've got the opportunity to be the best physically. They've been coached on and off the field from a PR perspective. And to be honest with you, uh, Quinny, I reckon that if someone's played badly as a former player, you should be able to dig them out because you've been there. You've been in the trenches um, and, and you know what it takes to, to, to reach peak performance. So I, I don't agree with, with commentators slagging people off just for the sake of it to be contradictory. Um, but if there is a genuine um, error that needs to be solved, then then fill your boots. But just uh, do, do Munster need to win a trophy? 
do they that pressure is with him every year is it is, well of course is, it is it's it, when you're the best supported club in europe and, and when and when the following is is faultless and, and doesn't waver then there is such a uh, a desire and and a sense of uh, encouragement, longing for for the club for the club to to actually win something uh, tangible because of the days gone by. I mean, you you have a look at in, in in any sport, there are teams that have peaks and troughs, and unfortunately, this is this is a bit of a fallow time for Munster. But I mean, this weekend is a, is a great opportunity for some young fellas to to put their hand up and stake a claim and 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 represent the jersey with the pride and passion. That the, the, the hundreds thousands have done so beforehand, um, and really put themselves in the, in the window for for, for next season, um, and give the supporters a view of what's coming down the line and and, and what the young what the youth are going to look like and who will be following in the next two three four years. So I think this weekend is a great opportunity. And would I love to see Munster win a trophy? Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, and and as as soon as uh, as soon as we get to a final, I will be on the uh, on the Sharabang. I'll be on the glory bus. <laughs> you, you'll be over, yeah. And in fairness, oh, yeah. both Neve and yourself are Spurs fans. So as Roy Keane said a few weeks ago, you're used to disappointment. Well, I'm a Spurs Neve. I'm a Spurs fan, not a football fan. <laughs> Uh, and he's like John Hayes. He doesn't go to watch any rugby unless it's a jolly or a day out. And uh, in fairness, he brings Lawrence Delalio with him over to the Irish games and some of the Munster games over the years. Come here, I have to ask you about the current group. And Neve and I were speaking about it, how difficult it is for the, the boys in South Africa quarantining, the group of 34 that came home to Ireland. They're in quarantine as well. It's just a crazy couple of weeks. And something that's unprecedented and of course the pandemic has gone on and people are in worse situations but I thought about the isolation and being kind of locked away with players and not being able to leave a hotel and and, and segregate it and I thought Rob Henderson had loved that because he get he get his card school going he gave me cards you love the cards I remember at a quarter final in 2004 I was rooming with David Wallace again I was still injured because I'd injured my shoulder in the the World Cup in in the previous October. Um, the one you, you didn't get selected for that one, Rob, but that was the one where I sa- saved Irish rugby. You remember I yeah, scored I was, a try? I was, I was selected for that one, but I was injured actually. It was the one in '99 where I didn't get one selected. '99, yeah. Well, you were better off. You missed that one anyway. It was myself and Axel that got dropped yeah. off the 33 man panel to 31. Myself and Axel, God love him. And, and we got, I got called in late for the Lons debacle against Argentina. But anyway, the quarterfinal, I'm rooming with David Wallace. I'm not under any pressure because I'm not playing. I'm not even talking out. I'm doing a bit of a fitness session on Saturday morning with, with Fergal O'Callaghan and the fitness coach. And Wally arrives back into the room at half six in the morning. And it's a one o'clock kickoff, the quarterfinal against Stade Francais in Paris. And Wally arrives in at half six. And I was like, where the hell have you been? What is going on? I was shocked. A Wally of all people. And I thought maybe they went out and something went wrong or there was an accident or something. He said, no, we were playing cards and we just couldn't leave it. Hendo was leading the charge. Chris Was Christian Cullen there? Frankie, Miko, uh, Dutchie Holland and yourself. <laughs> Tell us, remind us of that. Like, how can you play cards till half six? Then go out and beat Stad and, and all of you actually played really well. Well, I'll be honest with you. Wally was actually just hamming it up. That never happened. So what happened was we were in bed at seven 
and we'd just actually gone training at five in the morning. So he was just coming back from that. <laughs> oh, okay, right. So, but he, he didn't want to say that because then he'd look a bit, uh, he'd look a bit lame. So he just said that he was up all night playing cards in uh, room 216 with myself with the door <laughs> shut in the heat down to the boxer shorts and Mick O'Driscoll having a heart attack because he keeps losing. What? How, how in God's name, I remember, and I remember being at breakfast and there was little whispers in his cards, the card game that went on. And I remember saying, I hope these boys play well today because if this gets out, they're going to get slaughtered. Well, in fairness, they, um, that, I think that was one of the first quarterfinal victories that we'd had on, on French soil. And, um, and Stad were playing really well that year. And we, we played on the, on, the, on the pitch out the back with the running track around it. Um, I mean, a couple of things. Hoggy scored a try that day. And I think, uh, I think we, we won by only a couple of points. But uh, coming off the field, um, Claw had uh, he'd obviously gone over and played for Queensland. And the Queensland coach was coaching his dad at the time, John. John Connolly, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So John comes up to Claw. <laughs> I'd met John previously as well. And he... Geez, Claw, how's it going, mate? Good, good match today. Good match today. And he looked at me, and I can't say the word he used. So I'm gonna. He said, "Jesus, Hendo, have you eaten a cow?" <laughs> <laughs> That's all it said. But you played not, well, not, though. You played well. It didn't matter. Well, in fairness, sometimes you don't need skills. You just need a roundabout in the middle of the field to knacker out people. Yeah, and just, <laughs> just, just, just skip around them. Um, Hendo, we can't stay too much longer because we're under time constraints. Um, Who's going to win on Sunday? Would you love to be a Munster player now? Neve was with them last week. Ian Costello, the academy manager, who was with Wasps for a couple of years, knows them inside out. She was down watching the academy players and eight or nine internationals training last week. Uh, what, what, would you, what would you think if you were there? That This is real backs-to-the-wall stuff, isn't it? Well, hang on. I think, Neve, if we can bring you in and, and tell us what it was like with, with the guys and, 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 and how they were preparing and, and what they looked like. Yeah, to be fair, I think <clears throat> I was just saying to Quinny last week, blew me away. Peter O'Mahony blew me away in terms of leadership. He never made a mistake the whole session, literally. And what I loved about it is, so there was a NTS, so it's a group underneath the academy, the academy, sub-academy, academy boys, and those eight or nine internationals, whatever it is. He made sure he spoke to every single one. Like for me, that was was class. I think because he drove the session, it was brilliant. It was brilliant to watch. It was um they were literally like eight or nine mini coaches on the pitch. And that was that's the best way to describe it. And yeah. he empowers them to be able to to share the information. And yeah, look, it's it was cool to be there, cool to observe it, but also it makes you realise in terms of like it's gonna be a big task for them. Like especially yeah. in the in the pack, you know, the, the back line is pretty stacked. So you've got got a Murray, Delande, Chris Farrell's back, Keith Earls is there. You know, there's a lot of Andrew Conway, really good players. Whereas in that pack, you know, you're you're looking at probably O'Mahony and and Tyke Byrne, and then after that, then it's going to be made up of of youngsters, really. Um, unless you know these lads come out of isolation and and they decide to play them, but it, it was it was just blew my mind how much they got on with it. I love the fact that they didn't complain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in fairness, it's not a bad two to have in the pack, is it? No, well, Dave, Dave, Dave Kilcoyne as well. Um, oh, killer! Yeah, sorry, he was there. Yeah. So they've three, but that that is the concern. And and Scarlets have forfeited a game this week against Bristol for safety reasons, I think. And it's mm. understandable, you know, they're they're only out of quarantine on on Friday, and then they're supposed to travel to Bristol. So you've got to prepare for these matches. So look, yeah, I, mean, I, I just 
I just think for Munster, um, who knows? Wasps have a lot of injuries themselves. They've they've um, their form recently hasn't been been great. But realistically, Wasps should be the ones winning this game. But I don't know that Munster thing inside me just thinks. I'd love to be rolling up the sleeves and bringing out a couple of young lads on the field and saying, let's give it a crack. Absolutely. I mean, that, that, that back, to, back against the wall mentality is, has carried Munster through on numerous occasions, numerous occasions, and just that, that cohesion and that togetherness. And, and I think with, with Peter and, and Killer and Tyg, and if they can bring the young fellas on and, the, and, and the, the younger players that are getting their first taste of European rugby or, or limited, um, as long as they keep the top, what it, we always had a phrase, Quinny. It was uh, it was body on fire, but head in the fridge. So as long as they don't let the game get away and I, from and them, I used to get those ones mixed up. <laughs> I used to get you head did, on yeah. fire and body in the fridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. I, I used to have uh, silk up purple on fire and head in the fridge. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, uh, but that wasn't the point. But no, I mean they've they've got an opportunity, and, and, and they're playing they're, they're playing against a, a wasp team. Low on confidence. They've lost it. As I said, they've not won since October. They've got 18 players missing themselves. Um, so, so I just think that it, this is written that there's a possible uh, another fantastic Munster away victory in the Heineken Cup that uh, that hopefully people will be uh, talking about for years to come. So uh, every every confidence, every faith. Okay, Rob, brilliant to talk to you. Thank you for joining us and uh, look forward to seeing you at one of these these uh, jollies or games are celebrating and hopefully in our time we'll see these guys in the next couple of years hopefully soon lifting a trophy because um, that pressure is always there and unfortunately um, great to have played with you great to have chatted with you on this thank you so much absolute pleasure and uh, Neve Quinny I look forward to buying you both a pint next time I'm over cheers Hendo well, that was interesting, Neve, having Rob on there. He's, uh, he's certainly a character. And uh, recounting that match, having watched it back, you watched it back as well. I watched it back. Um, what a game. Action, exhilarating, all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm not sure we'll see the same on, on Sunday. It'd be great if we were looking back on Sunday's game from a Munster point of view. But Wasps, I think, will be... Um, even though they're under pressure themselves with a lot of injuries... Um, and the pressure, I suppose, to win because they'll be expected to win. Um, how do you see this game going? Like, or is it too early to analyze it yet because we don't have teams? But Wasps are surely the team that that should win this game. Oh, hundred percent! Like, it has to be on them. And and you can flip that around as well in terms of they could also use this as their outlet from their Premiership woes at the moment and the inconsistencies and the fact that they're not winning games that like you were saying to Rob earlier on is that European week has a different feel and you used to love it and it had you know that kind of air if Wasps go about that then Munster could be in for you know a really really tough day at the office but they have to be favourites you're talking about even though with all their injuries they're at home senior players irrelevant of whether they've, they've signed you know we talk Alex McHenry's um, just left Munster on a short-term deal with them. Um, they've just signed an Argentinian prop coming off the back of the Rugby Championship. They are going to be in a much better position in terms, and they can all train this week. And last well, it's, it's having senior players, I think. It's, That's um, it, yeah, yeah. I know they've gone down their depth. Um, Dan Robson is missing. Fekitoa, Joe Launchbury, Adogwu. Um, there's a lot of top-class players that are out, and that gives a little glimmer of hope for Munster, plus their form was 
okay, we've got to wait and see what kind of monster team gets put out. Um, will some of the players out of quarantine, whether that be the group in South Africa, maybe they'll be back later in the week. Will any of them, do they have to do more quarantine? We don't know. Are they allowed in the UK? The players at home that have been quarantined here, are they allowed travel? Um, we, we, we we're speculating, but it's going to be a daunting task for Munster and, and one that, as I said, it's, um, it's back to the wall stuff. I think it's it's about trying to get the performance, even if they go out with these young players and the, the eight or nine internationals. And if they lose the game, Munster, there is still opportunities with casts home and away and then wasps at home. If you win three games, um, you may get out of the group winning two with losing bonus points. But I tell you, all eyes will be on this game on Sunday, won't it? Because people will be really intrigued by it. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you're a Munster, I think the, the, the biggest thing for them now is probably just the, the, not, the unknown. They don't have an idea of what that final squad would be because they're still waiting to and get... And Wasps probably can't analyse them either because exactly. some of these guys are <laughs> playing All-Ireland League, potentially yeah, yeah. you could play. I just think it's brilliant. I think it's you can flip it into a real positive. No pressure, an ability to be able to see if these young players are able to make the jump, how far they are are actually off and making that jump. And, and you're just giving them opportunity and licence to play. I think I just... As you say, like I'm actually really, really excited for it. I, I, I cannot wait. Um, but yeah, look, it, it'll be no main task. I just think Ian Costello could be a deciding factor in this. You know, a very astute, intelligent coach, but also the fact that he's he knows Wasps. He's just come from Wasps. He knows them inside and out. He knows all those players that are down their depth chart. You know, he could be, um, a, has, have a big role to play in this. Okay, and uh, finally, and we should mention it. And again, we spoke about Stephen Larkham last week announcing that he's leaving at the end of the season. It's been all monster news lately. Um, some of the headlines in the papers of the weekend and yesterday were saying that Johan van Van has been linked with Bath. I heard that. Um, I'm sure you've heard it. It's out in the public now. Um, it's more uncertainty that they don't really need. Um and again, we don't know what's happening here. Um, like players, I think coaches get linked with other clubs. Let's hope it's just this, because I think now more than ever, they need a bit of stability. And um, I hope he signs. And like I said last week, I hope Mike Prender gets, to, gets the job or goes for the job. I don't even know if he has, because um, he's still contracted with Racing. Um, but it's probably unnecessary news at the moment and, and a little bit of uncertainty that's not helpful. Yeah, I think it's the unease. And if you are Johan and you're Ian Flanagan, you kind of want to put that to bed as quickly as you can um, because it just it is that uncertainty around the squad. And I think I read a really interesting fact yesterday. Johan van Grand's been here five years. He is one of the longest serving Munster coaches. It's mad to think that, you know, only five years and you're you're the longest serving coach. I, I think. Yeah, there's been that, a lot of change. In that Monster. change has not been good. It's not been good. And I think it's difficult for players and, and for the identity of the squad. Coaches um, are the same as players. And I think we, we should acknowledge that, that, you know, they're, they're professionals as well, and they're going to be um, connected with other clubs and they've got to do what's best for themselves. But, um, you know, that uncertainty probably isn't the best thing at the moment, given that Stephen Larkham is gone. And, yeah. I hope it's not uh, true to be fair. But look, it's uh, it is what it is. I think it's uh, but it needs to be sorted very, very, very soon because yeah, I don't think you can go past Christmas with not knowing if your yeah. head coach is staying next year or not. Um, I hope he stays, and I hope that bit of stability and and development 
um, happens that we're kind of waiting. We've seen glimpses of it when we said that about the attack last week. But anyway, we'll wait and see on that one. And uh, like I said, it's going to be an intriguing weekend. That's it for episode nine of the Red 78. Uh, we'll be back next week to break down every minute of what we hope will be a historic away win. We're, we're talking about hope here, Neve, more than anything away to us. Don't forget to get in touch with your thoughts on all things Monster throughout the week, and we'll be sure to get them on next week's podcast. You can tweet us at the Rugby Channel 15 or search for the Rugby Channel on YouTube and leave a comment. Make sure you subscribe to the Red 78 wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you next week. Cheers, Neve. Thanks again, Thanks, and uh, talk to you soon. See you next week. The Monster Rugby Podcast. Red 78 with Adam Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Nobody knows Monster Rugby better.